Some of the best chats I have in hockey are with this man sitting beside me. And we'll talk about all kinds of stuff relating to the game. And they're so good, some of these talks, that I I wanted to bring them to you, the listener, on the pod. So you can get a better sense of just uh, how intelligent Luke is. Honestly, I feel like he's one of the sharpest young minds in the game. Uh, My name is Darren Winkler. I'm the producer of Mitts Off. I've been around... uh, Hockey pretty much my whole life, especially on the television side, uh, working with Sportsnet. And I know a lot of players in the game and I'm just, you know, super excited to be part of this pod. And that's what leads me into this new segment. It's called Mitts Off Mondays. We're going to break down the latest happenings in the in the NHL, things that have gone down over the weekend and focus specifically on some Canadian teams. So that's where we're at with Mitts Off Mondays. My turn to talk. (laughs) Waiting for the point. Well, um. First of all, I appreciate the uh, compliment on one of the brightest young minds. I have never refer- been referred to that way yet, so I appreciate that. Uh, it's been a pleasure working with you so far, D. And um, like you talked about, man, we have a lot of great chats off air and aside from the stuff we record. And I, I feel like there is such a, an avenue and a market for this. And this is something I've wanted to do for, for a long time. I, I have the pleasure of working on TV now, uh, being an analyst and... Um, there's just a lot of nights that I wish I could continue talking on certain topics and there's only so many characters you can put in a tweet. Um, and I've always kind of wanted a platform to express more thoughts and stuff about what's going on with the NHL. So, uh, let's get to it. I mean, obviously the biggest news right now is with your Edmonton Oilers and they're letting go Jay Woodcroft, another coach in Edmonton who's gone. Uh, give me some instant reaction and, and what you think this means for the oil yeah another one bites the dust in Edmonton um man first and foremost I'll, I'll say this Jay Woodcroft uh was a coach of mine at Edmonton albeit for one year albeit uh, as an assistant coach but he is a brilliant hockey mind he thinks the game very well he's very meticulous extremely detailed uh I used to joke that he walked around with his, well, I didn't joke, but we walked, we joked that he walked around with his laptop in his hand, cradling it in his arm, like a newborn baby all the time. And he'd find you anywhere you were in the rink to go over tape and be like, he, you know, he'd chase you down for 10 minutes just to be able to talk about one play from the Saturday game that he wanted you to do different. Um, a player's coach. And so I feel for him in that sense. He's a good man. Um, But uh, obviously things came to a head here in Edmonton and no matter how good of a coach you are or what happens, I feel like as a player and in my experience, words can just start to fall on deaf ears and it just sounds like the same stuff over and over again, whether that particular coach is trying to, you know, teach systems or motivate or influence you just after a while, it can become very stale and th- that's okay. That, that, that's okay for a team. But the, the one thing for me is that's alarming or concerning. I don't want to make it sound too dire is how quickly that's happening in Edmonton, right? How soon that the teams are not reacting to what the coach is selling. Uh, in terms of them buying in. I mean, this is five coaches for Connor now. Um, 
This is a very familiar face that he's going to have, obviously, having his junior coach there. Uh, I don't think in any way, shape, or form that this was Woody's fault. I'll just say that. He, Ken Holland even mentioned in his presser yesterday that Woody was a victim of a cap-constrained roster and no goaltending. And you can see that. Like, I'm not saying their record should be incredibly better, but the amount of games they have had with over 40 shots and the amount of high danger chances they're getting, it was bound to turn around at some point, but he wasn't able to shuffle his roster around too much. He wasn't able to add in a lot of guys, a lot of nights you're playing with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, which I can tell you as a former forward and fourth liner sucks. Um, It excludes a lot of people playing. It's hard to get a rhythm. So there was a lot of stuff that was out of his control. I know I said it wasn't his fault. It's not entirely his fault. Um, Now, do I think a change was necessary with the coaching? Probably. I just, uh, like I said before, am concerned at how quickly it happened. And we're in win-now mode with this team, especially with how much little time is left in the two big boys' contracts. We are in win now. Just like Kenny said, we didn't have another 10 games to figure out whether he lost the locker room or not. So away we go here with Chris Knobloch. I mean, you hit, you hit some really good points there. And I feel like there is a shelf life to a coach, and it sort of depends on how he interacts with his players. I remember hearing a story about Dave King, and he would have like stat reports, and he'd shuffle them under guys' hotel room for you to read like when you're relaxing and stuff like that. And that story about the laptop, I mean, to me, they, I think it would be kind of cute at the beginning, but it might wear on you pretty quickly. And you could kind of see with the body language, you know, with some of the players that maybe this was the time for a change and, and bringing in someone again now who knows Connor so well. Like, what do you think we're going to see from from Chris Knobloch? So just to finish that point on Woody, um, you talked about guys' body language and what, uh, you know, how, how their reactions were. I do think that one thing this organization and this team of players is looking for is more stability. And like I mentioned with Woody before that, he had a tendency to change the lines a lot, not just from game to game, but from in-game to in-game, which is okay, but he did it religiously. And I I always bring the Leafs back into this somehow, but you heard the quote from Ryan O'Reilly about wanting more stability. And that's one of the reasons he left. Sheldon has a tendency to do that here. Players don't like that. Players like having four lines, rolling four lines and developing a bond and relationship with the line mates you play with. So first and foremost, that was one thing I think that Woody could have done differently. And that Chris Knobloch made a point in his presser to say is that we are looking for more stability here. From what I've heard and know, Chris is going to be coaching and teaching a very full philosophically sound defense and defensively and fast team. Uh, You can see with the lines tonight, he's already looking to mix things up. Um, But with Chris, 
he obviously has a relationship with Connor. And I think that's the biggest thing is that he knows him from the past, knows what he can do, knows him as a person. I love the storyline of Chris. He went to U of A. He met his wife in Edmonton. He played for the Edmonton Ice Pro Hockey. So he has an Edmonton background. Um, now, whether this would have been the guy at the top of their list, had McDavid not been on this team, we don't know that. But I think he is a great guy for this job. I think a lot of people look at his success in Hartford, Hartford, or say lack of success in five years with Hartford, he only made it past the second round, second round once, um, or twice, whatever it was. Um, but there are so many externals in the American League as a head coach, from which guys are playing to how much they play to whether that organization and team even cares about the success of their American League hockey team. Coaches are literally basically given a roster and given lineups to play. So I don't look too much into that. I think he's a great guy for this team. I'm really, really excited to see how the players respond because it's a new set of eyes. I always knew that when I had a new coach coming in, which I did multiple times, and I had it twice in the NHL midseason, um, it's a new set of eyes and you want to build trust with your new head coach right away. You got, he, you got to know that, you know, he has your back and guys will be looking to build his trust right off the bat. So tell me a bit about this new coach bump. When you get a new set of eyes, as you call it, into that room, like how reinvigorated is the dressing room? Like, what are the boys saying? Like, how fired up are they to think they might have a bit of a fresh start here and they can turn things around? Well, I think it's good for a lot of players. Like you nailed it when you said fresh start. There's a number of players that are probably looking for a fresh start because at the end of the day with Woody, he knows now what he's getting from a lot of players. You, you just, you start to form relationships and you, you build those um, trust issues up with guys when maybe you're not sure what you're going to get from him. I always loved having a new head coach because it was a guy that I could show him what I bring to the table on a daily basis. I want to show you that I'm a hard worker and that I play the game the right way and that I practice hard and I'm one of the first guys at the rink and I put in the time away from hockey off the ice as well. Um, so it's a lot, it's, it's good for a lot of guys to have a new set of eyes on you because for a lot of these players, he's really only seen them on video and seen, you know, a handful of Oilers games. I don't know how much he's watched, but it's a new opportunity for guys. And I think, I think that's a good thing. I think that that will motivate some players and it's almost like a little kick in the butt. Mm. And also, you know, we, they're bringing in a legend, Paul Coffey, um, replacing, you know, Dave, Dave Manson on D like, what is that like? Do you have any, um, experience with like a superstar coming behind the bench, like that and and what do you think uh, Paul Coffey will bring to the table? So Paul obviously doesn't have any experience in the NHL coaching, but I really doesn't don't think that matters. He he coached junior and coached some AAA hockey, but what what matters is his presence. I think in terms of X's and O's and systems and video, I think they're going to lean a lot on assistant coach Mark Stewart. Um Longtime NHLer, Winnipeg Jets, assistant captain, a guy that I played against and fought. They will lean on him a lot for some of that X's and O's stuff. But 
I put it this way. When I got to New Jersey, Ryan Clough was our forward coach. And Ryan Clough was a guy that I watched growing up through my teens and loved, loved, modeled my game after him. Big, tough winger, you know, would do anything for the team. And when he spoke in the dressing room, whether it was to the players in a video session or to me, I stopped whatever I was doing and whatever I was thinking to listen to him. And that's what I think Paul brings to the team is a real knowledge and presence and acumen of a history of, you know, one of the best defensemen to ever play our game that when he says something, whether it's in game or whether he's showing a clip, that player is not tuning Paul Coffey out. That player is listening with full intent and wanting to, you know, whether it be you know, that play or that game or be better for Paul. I think he's really going to bring in that presence. And if it, you know, goes down to whether it's learning how to use the friggin' laptop and systems we use for cutting tape or straight penalty kill stuff, like he can lean on Stewie for that. But just having the presence there on the bench is, is going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, obviously a guy who's won, you know, Stanley cups and, you're right. When he says something, it's going to be hard not to to listen. If you're a guy like, you know, Bouchard and you need to make a tweak to your game and evolve, I mean, you've got Paul Coffey there to put his hand on your shoulder and it can only, I think, be helpful. It can only be helpful. I should just add to that, that he is a phenomenal human being. One of the best guys I've ever met, not just in hockey, but in life. He is well-spoken and intelligent. And I mean, I wish I... I wish I had the chance to play for, you know, a, a legend like that. So I, I think a lot of these defensemen are going to get a boost from that. I want to go back to coaching a little bit because we're seeing this now with multiple teams, you know, in the league, including the Leafs. And and when we talked about this on Saturday, I kind of gave you this uh, TV show analogy where you have like a new series that comes out. It takes like a year or two to be really good. You reach your peak. You maybe stay at your peak a little bit and then inevitably you go downhill just because of all the various things. You end up knowing everything about every character and the story has only you know, gone to as many places as it can go. And I kind of feel like you have that with coaching in the NHL as well, whether it's tuning out or playing the same system over and over. When you have that sort of fresh newness and, and up and coming, I feel like that's when the team is at their best. And so that leads me into, a, a, I guess, a couple guys. And the first one would be, you know, sort of Sheldon Keefe uh, in Toronto. And, you know, the Leafs have been up and down to start the season. And I was surprised when they signed him to that extension. But I wanted to get your take on just sort of where the Leafs are at. And do you feel like they have reached that sort of climax and might need a new voice, you know, either now or in the near future? The Leafs are easily, to me, the most frustrating team well, I don't know, the Hoilers are up there too. Call it 1A, 1B. In terms of you never really know what you're getting from night to night with these guys. I did not expect them to play that way versus Vancouver. And I don't look at the glass half empty. I'm generally not a negative guy. But they came out and played possibly the most 60, closest to the best 60-minute full game they've played all year. They were instantly tougher without supposedly you know, the toughest guy in hockey, Ryan Reeves in their lineup, They're fighting, they were hitting, they were playing tough and close, close knit defensively. Um, 
And, and in terms of Sheldon, I think a lot of that falls on him is getting the consistency that they need out of the team. And, you know, I don't know where he stands in the dressing room. And that's one thing that's, that's really questioned me for years here with Sheldon is I don't know if he has the full ear and the full respect of the guys on his team. And to be honest, I would love a, a, a little coaching shuffle, to be honest. I, I, think it's, I think it's time that they do bring in, a, you know, a new guy and some new blood and some, you know, new, new ideas and a new vision, because I think this team is really good. And they are one of the teams in the league, if not the, the team in the league that I think isn't even close to reaching their potential yet in terms of how well they're playing versus how their roster is constructed. I just don't think Sheldon is getting the most out of his team right now. I mean, I was at the game on Saturday and you're right. It was almost like that was a new team and it goes back to sort of um, what we talked about and all it took was changing the fourth line to really sort of reinvigorate the guys. And without Reeves and then that amazing you know moment where Gio stepped up for his teammates, there was that sort of fresh like life to these guys that we hadn't seen in a long time. And I wondered if you could just speak to you know that a little bit and especially seeing a guy you know who's 40 years old drop in the midst with like a a guy much larger than him yeah first of all geo what an absolute legend this guy 40 years old uh still giving it everything he has shedding the mitts and going basically toe to toe uh i mean was was an absolute game-changing moment for me now this instigator stuff. Let's talk about this for a second with him and Domi. I, I feel like both those fights with, with Joshua and Cole would have been taken regardless if they got in there as fast as they did. That's the only thing for me is putting your team down too. They scored on both those power plays. So yes, they ended up winning that game, but that's not a sustainable model of toughness. You have to be very smart uh, if you're looking to play that way or if you want to fight uh, in terms of putting your team down two minutes, not only down two minutes, but you're in the box for 17 minutes yourself, right? Two, five, and 10. So I do love the, I love the action. I love the idea, maybe just a little smarter. Uh, but in terms of the fourth line, listen, Ryan Reese is a guy I played against for a long time. Uh, he, uh, he loves himself. He loves, loves talking to the media. He has not played well since he, he's been here. I should be an advocate for the fourth line and having an you know enforcer type style of guy in the lineup every night because I did that for a lot of number of years and I would hate being the guy right now that everyone is just I guess has the kids say clowning on on Twitter these days but it was clear that he he's just not up to pace. He's just not, you know, he he looks slow, he looks heavy, he uh he just, you know, game after game looked more and more out of place. And I found that especially towards the end of my career, when I couldn't get to my checks, I knew I was getting towards the end and he's ending game was games with zero hits. You can't, you can't do that. You're a fourth line, tough player. You got to be doing something out there. You got to bring something to the table every night. And, uh, they got a little faster and 
I, I can tell you that Vancouver was running around a little more because he wasn't in the lineup, but I'd love to see the Leafs response being like, hey, even if we don't have our probably our toughest guy in here, we're still going to take care of business. Yeah, I mean, without Reeves in the lineup, I think they look like a different team. They were getting production from the third and fourth line. So we'll, we'll see where that goes and, and whether, you know, that's sustainable or, or we or it was just a, you know, one game bump with, uh, like we said, some fresh faces in the lineup. But the other guy I wanted to talk about uh, with the Leafs was Joe Wall. Um, for me, I, I'm concerned about just, I don't want I mean, bad is harsh, but just how bad the Leafs has, D has been. I mean, this is a guy, he's still a young guy, you know, probably a bit fragile confidence-wise. Wherever he's gone, he's been amazing. I love Joe Wall, by the way. I think he's an incredible goalie. But any concern um, on your end with just, you know, how many goals um, he's giving up and just how bad they're being defensively in front of him? Hmm. Interesting. I think the philosophy about goaltenders is that the more shots and the more exposure has always been the better, right? You want to get this guy as much action as he can, as much, you know, as many games as he can. But at a certain point, at when does it become a detriment? And it's not just the amount of shots he's getting and the amount of saves he's having to make. It's the quality of chances too, right? Backdoor two on one. You, Watch that Ottawa game, backdoor, tap-in, tic-tac-toe plays that he has no chance on. It's something to watch for sure. Right now, I don't think I'm as concerned as you. I think him being put in these positions is only going to help him, but this is not a sustainable model either. He has got to get a little bit more help in front of him, especially when he's starting and you know, they're not going to be able to play that way all year is the point. They're not, you can't win seven, five every night for an 82 game season. It's just not going to happen. You can't depend on your power play. You know, Saturday was a perfect, perfect example of how they need to play and how they can win sustainable, sustainably. Um, and hopefully they can continue that. Well, well, I'm sure we'll see Joe Wall uh, with the Leafs as they they hit the Sweden trip along with you know Ottawa and Toronto and Minnesota. And those are the two other coaches I just wanted to mention briefly was, um, you know, Dean Evason in Minnesota. We're seeing the struggles of the wild, but also DJ Smith in Ottawa. And just as our, you know, last question for this, um, you know, initial Mitsoff Mondays, um, give me um, your breakdown of the Sens and whether... You also feel like DJ Smith is is should be lumped in with, um, you know, maybe Woody and, and Sheldon here. And maybe, you know, maybe they, they need a change. Or do you feel like he still has that room? That's interesting because I always try to, to gauge whether players' comments, whether they're being genuine or not. And I know they're not going to bury their coach uh, to the media. But seeing the way Claude and Brady reacted to the way the fans did was pretty telling. I think they're not, like I said, they're not going to come out and say that they agree with the fans saying he should be fired. They're going to stick up for their coach. But the integrity that they showed and the way that they spoke, I believe them. And they had a big win versus Calgary Saturday. I think Mike Anlauer is going to hold on to DJ for for a little bit more here at least. Uh, I really do think uh, the guy he still has that locker room, and that's the biggest part for me. Uh, Ottawa's just been through so much already that I think you have to hold on to him for a little longer. I'm a big DJ Smith fan. Um, I like the way he coaches. I like the way he speaks. Um, 
And uh, I, I don't think, I, I would say his leash should be a little longer uh, in, in Ottawa, but Ottawa's got some winning to do and they got some players who've got to be better. Uh, and that's a, definitely a team to watch in the Atlantic for sure. I mean, you, you got to love Ottawa's team right now. They, they're such a young, uh, with a young core and, and such a great, you know, veteran mix too with Giroux in there. So obviously we've got a big week ahead. We've got the European Teams going and lots of great games this week. We'll see how the oil react with the new bench boss. And yeah, in terms of the pod, we've got Luke Shen coming up this week. And later on down the road, we've got Sam Reinhardt. So a couple of great interviews. And yeah, that's uh, that's what we've got coming up. Luke, any final thoughts? No, it's going to be an exciting week of hockey. Like you said, uh, global series going on. And man, the uh, <laughs> the oil are, are uh, a constant reality show to watch. So uh, it should be a good week of hockey, and I hope they enjoy the uh, the interviews coming up too. I I, I really like them. I, I enjoy both of them.